You know, there's no soldier when going out to battle that is not going to put on their defensive armor or take their offensive weapons. I mean, that was back to in the time of the Bible. That's true right now. You don't go to battle without your defensive armor or your offensive weapons. This morning, I'm going to talk about the defensive weapons that God has given to us that we can use. And next week, we're going to talk about the offensive weapon that God has given to us that we can use in this battle with Satan. Now, what I'm going to share with you today are two resources. One is the armor of God. The other is a promise of God. And when we take the armor of God and the promise of God and bring these together in our life, um, we find tremendous defense in this battle with the enemy who wants to destroy our souls. So turn to Ephesians chapter 6 today as we look at the armor. And the first question I want to ask about the armor, why has God given us this divinely powerful weapon, (laughs) this armor in our battle with Satan? Look at verse 11. I'm going to start, I'm going to read verse 10. This is the foundation we learned to the whole war. And it's finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that, here's the reason why, why do we put on the full armor of God? So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Let your eyes drop to verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and have done everything to stand firm. Why the armor? The armor is what God has given us to allow us to stand firm and resist the devil when he comes at us. What is the armor? Well, you see it in verses 14 to 17. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the armor we're going to deal with today is truth, righteousness, Peace, faith, and salvation. Next week, we'll pick up the word of God as that offensive weapon that God has given to us. So this is what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you how I put on the armor. I have to admit, this has been very hard for me because I I, I have literally put on this armor well over a thousand times. A thousand, thousands, I, I don't know how many the number is. But when you take something you do regularly and then you try to put it into a sermon, you wreck it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I just wish God, you know, just just do it. Maybe I'm hoping God will give me the freedom to do it. But I think there are some things that could be helpful along the way in the notes. So bear with me as I try to tell you how I put on the armor. 
and hopefully it'll be a great help for you. First of all, I start with believing prayer. By the way, underline that word believing, we'll come back to it. One of the pieces of armor is faith. But I'm talking about putting this on, not by just praying and begging and wishing and hoping. With believing prayer, I put on these pieces of the armor. And I always start with the foundation in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Remember, we looked at this already. These two foundations in our spiritual war, the first one is being strong in the Lord. You and I that know Jesus are in Christ. That talks about all the blessings all the rights, all the privileges, all the promises, all the victories that we already have in Jesus as ours. Be strong in the Lord. And so what I do when I pray there is I thank God. I start off, I God, thank you. Thank you for all the rights and all the privileges and all the promises and all the positions you've already given me in Jesus. And then when I pray about the second part, and in the strength of his might, that's talking about the life of Jesus in me. That's Jesus living in me, strengthening me. We talked about the oneness of who we are in Christ. I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. And there's a new oneness, and the part when I want to talk about being strengthened in his might, it's his life, it's his power being manifested in me. And so I pray about, Lord, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Would he have complete control over my life? Lord, would you equip me with everything I need today to do your will in a manner that is pleasing to you by means of the Spirit of God? Lord, I want to make a declaration. My dependence today is not upon Pat Peglow and what he can bring to the table. My dependence is upon the one who lives inside of me. And so this is where I start my prayer. And by the way, what I'm going to share with you normally takes me about 20 minutes of prayer. If you're looking for a one-minute prayer, this isn't the kind of thing you're looking at. But what I'm going to be sharing with you normally uh, takes me close to 15, 20 minutes of prayer. And um, so I start off asking God to fill me with the Spirit. So as we go through this armor, and since we're one with Christ, and I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, whenever I pray about things that have to do with me and Christ, I'm always thanking God for something. Because it's something he's already given me. It's something I already have. It's a privilege and a right and a possession that's always mine, so I'm claiming it by faith through thanksgiving and prayer. So when I'm talking about me being in Christ, I'm always thanking God for something. When I pray about the part of Christ being in me, I'm asking God to do something in me, and I'm asking that life within me to produce something in me. I give credit to Josh Weaver. Josh, I didn't know if we were going to share this in the worship time, but Josh brought to me, uh, he says, you know, Pat, when you read the Old Testament, much of the armor is really descriptive of who God is. 
He's saying basically the heart of the armor is putting Jesus on. <laughs> it's putting Jesus on. It's putting God on. It's, it, it, it's kind of like me stepping to the side and just stepping back and saying, Lord, the internal Jesus, you come out, you fill my life, you live your life through me. And the more of Jesus that's filling my life, the greater the armor's gonna be. And so this armor is a matter that I start in prayer just thanking God for all the things he's given me in Jesus and I'm asking God to do the things that Jesus needs to do in me. That's where I start in my prayer. And then I move down to the armor and I move to the first piece of the armor which is uh, girded with truth. It's the belt. You know, you know what it's like when, when a belt's too loose and, and things are just, you know, they're moving all over. You're constantly going like this and you're holding this up. Some let it go down on purpose, I understand that. But, you know, the, the belt really helps keep things in place. And that's what was true with the armor of the Roman soldier. The belt was key to keep all the other armor in place. And since this belt is truth, guess what? Truth is crucial to the rest of the armor and the rest of my life being in place. It's the starting place. And if I'm not putting on truth right at the beginning, everything else is gonna be off. And so when I come here and I, I talk, because you guys know Satan is what? The father of lies. Jesus said everything he speaks is a lie because he speaks of his own nature. He works through the lie. And the battle is a battle for truth. And he uses the lie to control us and to get us to go in the wrong direction. So when I pray about the truth, I want to thank God, first of all, for his word of truth. And I want to thank him also and ask him that, Lord, would you tighten the belt? And often, I got to tell you, when I pray this, often I'm praying it for three different entities. I pray for myself. I'm praying it for my wife and my kids and family, and I'm praying it for Moraine Valley Church. So when I pray for these things, I'm asking God, when I prayed this morning, putting on the armor, God, tighten the belt at Moraine Valley Church. Would the truth just be, you know, bring us another notch tighter and so that the truth can hold the rest of our lives together. So I'm asking God to tighten the belt of truth in our life, asking him to move the truth that is in our heads down to the core of our beings by the Spirit of God. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Because you know what? You could pass a theology test on the sovereignty of God and get a 100%. And then you could walk out the door and be full of fear and anxiety all week long. You following me? Now, if God's sovereignty has filtered down into my heart by the Spirit of God. What does that do to anxiety? What does that do to fear? It puts it in a whole new light. And so what I'm asking God to do is to take the truth and not just make it an intellectual thing, but God, let that truth move down into my life and let it control me and let it be built into me and let it spread to more and more areas of my life and let it take greater and greater control in my life and let the truth, because he says at the entrance of thy word is truth, or I'm sorry, no, is light, yeah. The entrance of my word is light. And so guess what? I'm asking God to shine the light on me. 
I'm asking God to shine the light on you. Show me any place where the world, the devil, or the flesh has gained a foothold in my life. And so when I'm praying about the truth, I'm asking God to fill my life with truth and shine the light of his truth upon my heart and my life. And then I pray about the breastplate of righteousness. That's important because Satan is constantly attacking us at the level of righteousness. He's the accuser of the brethren, isn't he? He's accusing us before our God day and night. And guess what else he does? He accuses you and me. (laughs) I can't believe you thought that thought, Pat. You're a pastor? You're going to preach Sunday morning? You you, You treated your wife and spoke to her like that? You know, so Satan's constantly hammering us and pointing out our faults. I love that, Josh, that son this morning, you know, we see ashes, he sees beauty. Satan is constantly reminding us of the ashes in our life. You following me? And what's happened? The righteousness of Jesus has covered me with beauty. And so the first thing I do is I thank God that my righteousness is not dependent upon my performance but it's dependent upon Jesus because God's given that to me as a gift and I'm clothed now and I'm covered with the righteousness of Jesus. And so when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. So the first thing I do is I stand in the fact and I thank God that I'm already righteous in Jesus. But then I pray this. God, would you let the practical righteousness in my life grow? Because there's a big gap (laughs) between where my walk is with righteousness and where Jesus is, right? You guys understand that? So this is what I do because guess what Satan's looking? We learned it last week. He's looking for ground to use. He's looking for unrighteousness in Pat's life that he can latch onto and use for his advantage. So I'm praying, God, Would you make me, would you make Moraine Valley sanctify us in truth? Thy word is truth. God, would you sanctify us? Would you you make us more like Jesus? Would there be less and less of Pat and his flesh and the world and the devil and more and more of Jesus? And so I'm praying that righteousness in a practical way would become more and more of my life so Satan has less to grab onto, to use, to destroy me and those around me. And then I pray about the shotting of your feet with a preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, there's two things I pray here, and I think they both come from Ephesians. We learn in Ephesians we have peace with God. But guess what else we learn in Ephesians? We have peace with one another. Because the Jew and the Gentile and the whole big section there in Ephesians chapter 2, and he refers to it again over, you know, the fact that we now have peace with one another, even though we may be very different in the body of Christ. There's a oneness of the spirit we're to maintain, not create, but maintain. I'm already one and unified with the body. I'm already at peace, but sometimes that peace gets shaken in relationships. So I pray about two things when it comes to this. God, would you, well, first of all, I thank him for this. Thank you that I'm at peace with you. Because what to say, you're, you're not okay. Would you, you know, God's upset with you. Did you see what you did? I can't believe you have, you know, and so Satan's always kind of telling me God's a little bit upset with me. 
and he's really not pleased with me. And Pat, you're really not usable. But I start with the fact I can say, God, I am already at peace with you. There isn't something I need to do to get that. Jesus already did that. And so I thank God for the peace I already have with him. But I pray about those who I may not be at peace with within the body. Scripture says, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. It may not always happen, but as a believer in Christ, we're responsible to do everything I can to make peace. It may not always come. But so what I do at that time is I pray, God, would you equip me with every grace I need to be at peace with those who are not, I'll say it, who don't like me, <laughs> for whatever host of a hundred reasons. And there's a lot of graces. And I don't even mention them because I don't even know all of them what they are. But, you know, I, I need to be ready to forgive. God, you got to give me the grace to let go of this. God, you got to help me have a heart that wants to move towards them and do everything that's possible. And so I begin to pray about those that I'm at odds at because you know Satan uses division. <laughs> he loves division within the body of Christ. And it's a great tool for him to use to destroy the church of Jesus. And so I pray, God, would you do whatever you got to do in my life to make me a man who's ready, who's prepared with the, with the gospel of the good news of peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I actually pray by name for those who maybe have mistreated me. What did Jesus say? Pray for those who have mistreated you and persecuted you. Pray blessing. So I actually, by name, I pray blessings upon. So if I say, I've been praying for you lately, you might say, hmm, whatever. <laughs> but I do that. God, bring blessing in their life. Let that, you know, and I, just, I pray specific blessings for them. And it's amazing how that sets your heart free. So no longer they're controlling you. are like, oh, I can't believe they did that. All of a sudden, it, there's a new freedom and there's a new disposition that Jesus builds in your heart. But I also pray for the opportunity to share the gospel because the readiness to share the gospel and to be a soldier. What, what happened to David? You know, David, when all the other uh, kings went out to battle, he stayed home. And that's when he got in trouble with Bathsheba because he should have been out to battle. And so I pray that God will make my heart ready to, to share the gospel of Jesus. Give me Jesus' heart for the lost. Lord, I pray that you would open a door for me to share the gospel, that you would, you would open my mouth and give me the words to speak and you will open their heart to respond. And so I pray about the preparation of being at peace with others and sharing the good news of peace with God with the lost. Then the shield of faith. Notice he says here, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What they would do is they would shoot arrows uh, that were on fire. So, you know, we got two things going on here. We don't just have arrows to dodge that Satan's trying to kill us with. He's trying to set fires all around us to distract us. 
So what happened is if they didn't get the soldier with the arrow, they might get the bushes behind it. Now those bushes are on fire and they got this over here. And so now they got fires all around them. And so one, they're trying to hide from these arrows coming at them. But now I got these fires all around me and Satan's working to get our lives to be so distracted and so whatever. And it's the shield of faith, which is able to extinguish those fiery darts. So you know what I pray? And I hope you can catch me on this one. There's really two passages that I think of when I pray this. The first one is in Romans, that the God of all hope would fill me with all joy and peace in believing that I might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I want to have a Holy Spirit produce faith. So many of us, I'm trying to believe. I'm really trying to believe. Stop trying to believe. Yield to the Spirit of God within you to fill you with joy and peace and believing. It's believing so strongly that I'm full of hope. It's come from the God of hope. And that, that kind of belief fills me with joy and peace. And so I'm looking for a faith that comes from God, not from me, from the one who lives in me. It's not Pat trying real hard to trust God. I'm trying to trust him. No, I'm yielding to the Spirit to produce in me a faith that only he can produce. You know the word in the fruit of the Spirit for faithfulness is the word for faith? Now, I don't know why they translate it faithfulness because it can be translated either faithfulness or faith, but you go back to the Greek word. I believe that one of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. And so I'm not trying hard to believe for God. I'm trusting the Spirit of God to fill me with a faith that's able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. And I pray for an expectancy. And I pray that God, you would so fill me, I would just expect and I would believe you. And then finally, there's the helmet of salvation, verse 17. What I do here is I thank God. You know, Satan's always trying to ensnare us and entrap us. We need to be delivered from those things. And I want to thank God that I already am saved. I want to thank him I've already been delivered out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved. It's already done. I've already been saved from Satan's power and authority and dominion, and I've already been delivered to the kingdom of his beloved son. God, I am a victor. I'm not a victim. And so I start by thanking God that he has already won the battle through Jesus and that I'm standing on ground of victory and that I'm not a victim of Satan, but I'm a victor. And so what I ask God to do is by the Spirit of God to move in my life with his salvation so that salvation will become the stronghold of my life. I'm not just delivered from sin, I'm delivered to righteousness. <laughs> And so, you know, I'm not just delivered from selfishness, I'm delivered to love. And so I'm asking God to fill me with the things that are fruits of his salvation so that those would be realities in my heart and my life and fill me. And so I'm, ask, I'm thanking God for what he's already done. I'm asking God to take my practical experience to a greater degree 
an experience of what he's already accomplished for me. And I also pray this, because it's the helmet, salvation goes on the head. I pray that God would make me very sensitive to my thoughts and would bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. That's the heart of what I pray with the armor. And I, I want to share with you just the second resource that God, you know, next week we'll talk about the word. And uh, let me just say this real quick. What I pray about the word is this, that God would, by his spirit, it's the sword of the spirit, it's in the hands of the spirit, it's the word of God in the hands of the spirit that's able to win this. And I pray that the spirit of God will bring the word to me today in a way that'll cut away all the world, the devil, and the flesh that's in my life. And again, I'm praying for my family and for you all with that too. And I pray that he would not only bring it to me and speak to my heart with it, but he would speak that through me to others. <laughs> and that others, he would use others to bring God's word to me that I need to hear. And so that's what I pray with when it comes to the word. Let me talk about a promise. So we got the armor. I kind of share with you how I prayed that. I, I, I pray promises. Uh, it's interesting. It's a study in its own. Many places in Scripture you see God making promises. Then you see those who he made them to praying those promises, thanking and claiming them. And um, I believe that we experience the promises of God when we, by faith, with believing prayer, claim those promises for ourselves, And I'm going to give you two amazing promises. They really speak to the same thing. The first one's in Psalm 1830. I think I have that one up here. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. What God said has been tried, it's been put on trial, it's been tested, and this is what it's come out to find out. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. You can take it to the bank. Refuge is a shelter or protection from some kind of danger or harm that's coming our way. The best way I picture it in my heart, what a shelter is, what a refuge is, is Kim, when I was dating you, I remember coming over to pick her up one, one day and it was raining, what they call cats and dogs. I mean, it was just coming down. It was lightning. It was thunder. It was pouring down just terribly. But you know, Kim lived there in the city on the, on, on the street there. And probably about 15, 20 yards away was the big porch that you see on the houses in Chicago. And I remember getting out of the car and running through the rain. And when I hit that porch, all of a sudden I was protected. It was a refuge for me from the storm. And that's what God is saying here. When you will trust him, he will be a refuge for you. He'll be the porch over your head. Satan's trying to rain down cats and dogs on you. Now God himself will become your protection. Remember what Satan said to God in the book of Job? He said, God, I can't get to him because you put a hedge around him. That's what we're talking about. Trusting God to put a hedge about my life, about my family, about Moraine Valley Church. 
so that Satan can't get in and destroy this place and destroy me and destroy my family. And so when I'm trusting God, I'm relying upon him to put a hedge around my life that Satan can't get through. There's another passage, and I'll have you turn to it in Psalm 91. I want you to see this. We're going to close on this passage. Psalm 91, 11. The promises still again about God being a refuge. It starts off with talking about those who take refuge in God, that he will cover them with his pinions. You're familiar with that? You know, it's kind of like that mama bird has her little baby chicks. And so what she does is she takes out her wings and she covers them with her pinions. And God gives us a picture and says, he's going to do the same to those who take refuge in him. Well, we got Satan coming at us, and I need a refuge, and I need protection. And I love uh, starting in verse, let me see, verse 9. The writer says this, You have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. He's saying, you know what? The Lord's my refuge. And you have now made him your dwelling place, He's now your refuge. That's what he's saying. It says verse 10, no evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For, here's the reason why, he will give his angels a charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You know what this means? God is giving a command to his angels to protect you. This is the picture I get. Peglo's down there and he's praying. He's saying, Lord, I need you to protect me. I need you to protect my family. I need you to protect Moraine Valley Church. And I'm praying. I say, Lord, I'm relying upon you to be a refuge. What I believe God is doing, I'll put it in our language. He picks up the heavenly phone and I'm sure it's a cell phone now today, so they use in heaven. iPhone 12 Pro Max probably. But he picks up the phone, and you know what? The angels are sitting down at the heavenly Starbucks waiting for their orders from God. And so the angel picks it up, says, yes, Lord. He says, you know what? Pat Peglo, he's down there trusting me to protect them today. I want you guys to go make sure he's okay. That's what this promise is saying. When you take dwelling in the Lord as your refuge, he's going to command his angels to watch over you to make sure you'll be okay. You know, I, I, I claim this regularly. And I remember, I remember asking God, because you, you're kind of, if you're like me, I say, God, is this real? I mean, is this some kind of make-believe? Is this really, are you, are you really giving your angels so I started to pray that because I was praying this, you know, I started to doubt a little bit. Is this really happening? Come on. And God brought two events into my life that convinced me. Matter of fact, it didn't only convince me, it's kind of like the Spirit of God whispered into my heart. See, Pat, I'm watching over you. First one I had to do with my daughter, Courtney. Uh, I think she was in fifth or sixth grade. I can't remember which it was. But uh, she was with a group of girls and they were having a seance. And they asked Courtney to join them. 
And what Courtney explained to me and Kim when she got home and told us what was going on, something inside of me told me I shouldn't do it. You know, she didn't know anything about what the seance stuff was about. She didn't, you know, all this kind of stuff. But there was something saying, Courtney, don't do this. There was something holding her back. There was something restraining her. And she didn't get involved. And by the way, pray for our kids because she didn't get involved at, at a high cost because after that she was rejected and actually sought after to intentionally be um, just thrown junk at, sort of say, by these kids because she wouldn't get involved in this. And so the cost for some of our young people to take a stand for Jesus is unbelievable. We need to pray for them. But that's what happened, and God kind of said, you know what, Pat, I was there. Because here she's out there, she's with her kids and her people, and every kid wants to be part of the group. But God somehow said, stay out of this. Don't do it, and she didn't. God whispered to my heart, see, Pat, I'm watching. Second one happened about two weeks later. Some of you know that for years I painted on my day off on Fridays, and um, just get the extra income we needed to, to do what we needed to do. And um, I, would, I was painting for a brother here in this church, so those of you that question my story, you can check with him. I asked him this morning, do you remember the story? Because I don't want to get up here. And then uh, he said he did, even with his mind. At this age, which is basically my age, so I, that's no big shot on him. But anyhow, I, I, I was painting for this brother, and it was a Friday morning, and what I did is I'd often start early because I'd want to try to get home and get on my day off a little time with the family. And so it was about six in the morning I got over to these apartments that he owned. And I, was, uh, I knew it was early, so I said, I'm not going to paint by the bedroom because I don't want to freak this person out who's living in there. So I went to start in the living room. Curtains were wide open. And I, I was just painting around the edges of the windows, and you know, and so was there. So another day of painting at the shop, and I got home, and this brother called me up. He said, hey, I hear you had a real experience today. I said, what are you talking about? I just had a normal. He says, that woman. I said, what woman? He says, that woman in the apartment that was walking around naked in front of you. And I said, brother, I never saw any woman. She uh, is described to me later, a, a very um, you know, young woman, good-looking woman. And evidently, she came out of her bedroom with nothing on and was walking around in the living room for a while, having no idea that I'm sitting there at the window painting it. And I'm going to tell you, standing before God, I not, could you imagine sitting at a painting at a Big picture window with a woman, good-looking woman walking naked in front of you for a few minutes, not knowing you're there. I never saw her. And when I got home, again, when he, I got, it was like, God, what's my pet? I'm watching over you. I'm watching over you. It's real. When you take a refuge in God, he'll put a hedge around you. He himself will be a shield that'll protect you. So where do we go with this? What do I do with these defensive weapons that God has given us? Well, I basically start, like I said, by prayer. 
And I begin to pray on the armor. And I ask God, you know, the things that I just took you through this morning as I pray on the armor of God. And then I claim the promise of Psalm 91 or Psalm 18. And I'm going, God, today I'm trusting you to be my shield. And I thank you that you're dispassing your angels right now. I tell some of the security guards here, I said, I know you guys are walking around the building and I'm grateful for that, but you need to know there's angels walking around the building here as well this morning because we're trusting them to do that. And then I take what we learned just recently, I ban the enemy. After I put on the armor, trust God to be my refuge, I bring the blood of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, trusting that God stands behind his blood, his authority, and his name with all of his power and all of his presence. And I resist the enemy and his works and strategies against me. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. What I did do, I did bring one resource. Gary's gonna put some on each wall. It's a warfare prayer. I wrote, my, I wrote my own, this is a number of years ago. It'd probably be a little bit different now if I wrote it, but it, it takes you someplace where I was today. And um, if you're interested, you can grab one of these to pray through. And the reason I wrote my own was this. There's other ones out there, but there's two things that are unique to mine. Uh, one is, is that um, this is based on what you already have in Jesus, not just what you need to get. Many of the warfare prayers are more, you need to get this from God and you need to say these words exactly right and exactly like they are. You know, mine's not built on that. Mine is to get you in a direction and help you understand how to pray. And a very important part of our warfare is what we already have so I can stand in victory and pray from victory rather than praying to get victory. You following me? And the other thing that's unique about this is many of the warfare prayers are based on people that believe we have two natures. We have an old nature and a new nature that are battling with one another and the one you feed more. This is based on the fact that we're a brand new creature in Christ. Yes, I have a flesh that's a real battle, but at the core of my being, I'm a brand new creature who's one with Christ. And my battle's not against an old nature and which one I feed more wins, but it's the fact that Jesus lives in me at the core of my being and I'm a brand new creature. So that's the uniqueness of this from other warfare prayers. Again, my goal is not that you say these prayers exactly so that you, it's more or less, it's here to help you begin to think through how to pray in your own words regarding these gifts that God has given to us in the battle. So let me close in prayer. Hope a lot of you can stay or join us online for our round table here shortly. And um, thanks. Father, I want to thank you for your word. And Lord, I want to thank you that we learn in Ephesians chapter 6 the armor you've given us. And thank you for the promise that you've given us of yourself and your angels. So, Father, I want to come now and just pray that what we heard today, your Holy Spirit would write on our hearts. Lord, would it not be another sermon for the notes that we throw into our Bible? 
God, I pray, like I said, would this be truth that the Holy Spirit writes on our hearts? Lord, would it become a part of our life? Would it become a part of our church? Father, I just pray, I wanna thank you again for everything that Jesus has already won for us. I pray, Lord, that you would make us people that live out of our victory rather than seeking to try to get it. And Father, I pray to the glory of your name. Would you bind the enemy here so there'd be great freedom for Jesus to move unhindered, to bring glory to you, growth to your body, and salvation to the lost around us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.